Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here's Rooney. Rooney, great effort. Magnificent goal from Wayne Rooney. That is a special, special goal from Wayne Rooney. Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 4 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. This week, we're in a good mood as we discuss a 3-1 victory in the FA Cup over Derby County, preview a Tuesday night fixture against Stoke City and discuss the Glazers at Manchester United. I'm Harry Robinson and as always, I'm joined by Jack Tate. This is the Manchester United Weekly Podcast and you can find us on Twitter at UTD Weekly Pods. How are you today, Jack? Very good. A lot happier after the win against Derby than I was this time last week after losing at Southampton. Looking forward to the next round of the Cup. A 3-1 victory. Goals from Rooney. Sublime curling finish past Scott Carson. Uh, a second from Dana Blind after Derby equalised through George Fawn. And then a third from Juan Mata, assisted by very impressive Anthony Martial. Was he your man of the match on Friday night? Yeah, he had to be. He was sublime down that left flank all night he gave the derby right back nightmares and countless times he gave us an outlet that we haven't had for a long long time in in our side and it was nice to see him get the rewards and I didn't quite manage to get the goal that he that his performance deserved but getting the assist for Matters goal that wrapped up the tie was just just what he deserved for his great work on the night derby right back Christie was in fact on the floor as he assisted uh <laughs> as he assisted Matters goal yeah. it, it it was yeah. Somehow, despite not scoring over the last few weeks, in fact, to be fair to to other clubs, looking on from an outsider's perspective, you'd be if you didn't watch United, you'd be wondering why there's such a hype over this ridiculously expensive player who's who's only scored five, six, seven goals for United this season. But despite not scoring, he's he's played incredibly. Yeah, and he's consistently been our best performer, even through all the bad patches we have. It was. Whenever he picks up the ball, you always feel like something could happen. And he's not, not the finished article by any means. You know, there were times on Friday when he picked up the ball, he might run past to one, two, three players, get to the byline, and the final ball would just be lacking slightly. But at, at 20 years of age, you expect that, you know, and that's only going to get better with age. And he has been our, probably our, arguably our most consistent performer of the season. I think Chris Smalling might have something to say about that, but he's definitely been a bright spark. 
Yeah, probably the only criticism I'd had of him uh, would be that, that sometimes, not his first touch, his first touch is incredible. And his footwork actually is is a thing that entertains me most while watching him. The fact that there'll be three defenders surrounding him and he managed to get through all three. It's like watching a, a, a left-winger version of Iniesta. I think I remember in, in the World Cup in 2010, there's a famous photo of Iniesta on the ball. And there's five Croatian players yeah. surrounding him. Yeah. Um, the fact that he can get through situations like that with with two or three touches, and pe- people might say it's luck because quite often, in- including on his debut against Liverpool when he scored that utterly incredible goal, the ball bounced off a part of his body and he carried on. But it's happened so many times now while I've been watching that I don't think you can call it luck because the sheer pace with which he's running at allows allows that luck that supposed luck to come by the fact that he he storms through with a few touches and then bounces off and he can run on. Uh, the the only actual criticism, uh, as I was saying before <laughs> before I got distracted by that Liverpool goal, would be the fact that sometimes his touch lets him down. I think there was a there was a case where he's coming in on the on the left flank against Derby and after probably five or six brilliant touches, it took it away from the defender. He tried a, an overly ambitious one, overestimated his pace and kick the ball out of play and yeah. obviously that's gonna that's also part of the decision making which as you mentioned is is another thing that needs to be worked on but I mean we have a we have a player as much as Manchester City fans may be enjoying Kalecci and Acho's hat-trick we have we have an incredible yeah. player yeah definitely I think what what, in, what I love about Martial the most is the change of pace it's not not almost him in full flight it's the way he can go from sort of leisurely sort of jogging you know he'll hit he often gets the ball at his feet and has one, two, one or two close touches to his body just to bring the defender in, thinking that they've got him right there. And then in an instant, he'll be gone. And it's that, that change of pace which allows him to get past so many defenders so easily. Because he doesn't, you know, if you watch, he doesn't actually use very many what would be considered skills. It's just the sheer change of pace and how quickly he can, he can turn it on that gets him past so many players and makes him so big of a threat. Yeah, it's that it's that combination of the the change of pace, as you mentioned, and and the footwork, which uh, some touches let him down, but overall his footwork is absolutely outstanding for uh, a young player like him. In terms of other standout players against Derby on Friday night, who, who would you say? I thought Guillermo Varela and Cameron Borthwick Jackson, both at the fullbacks, uh, were were in with a shout for man of the match, competing with Martial and Rooney. I thought. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I thought they were both brilliant. Um, we spoke, we've spoken a little bit about Cameron Borthwick Jackson in the last couple of episodes and how much he's impressed us since coming into the team. And he carried that on last night. And as you say, Guillermo Varela joined the party as well. He was brilliant night. And it was nice to see actually today that, um, I saw on the Manchester United Twitter account, they ran a poll for January player of the month in Cameron Borthwick Jackson. Rightly so was, was in, was in the hunt. And, you know, I, I thought it was not, it was lovely to see that his performances have been recognised because so often fullback is a position where people don't get enough credit. Varela hasn't been involved as much as Borthwick Jackson. I I watched him for the under twenty ones against Sunderland, uh, which we'll talk about later. I watched him last Monday and he was brilliant. Anticipation as as an attacker as well as a defender was superb. And I think it's worth noting. I'm not sure everyone who listens to us will know this, but Borthwick Jackson actually isn't a completely natural left back. Um, he, has, he has played a lot, or mainly, 
at, at centre back for for the youth side. So, so for him to come into the first team and play at left back it is quite incredible at, at the level he has done. Wayne Rooney, six goals, six games. Um, how important is is he going to be in the in the following half of the season? Oh, massive. You know, we all love to hate Rooney sometimes, but he, there is no doubt that when he's on form, he is a world-class player. Hasn't been great for him, but in the last few weeks, we've definitely seen signs of him returning to form. And I think we touched on this slightly when we, we discussed the Chelsea game. And just the confidence that he has now is great to see, because I think, go back sort of a month or two, and there's no way that Wayne Rooney would even have attempted that strike from which he got his goal against Derby, because he was so down on confidence, so low, he just... There was no way he would have believed that he would that he would be able to make that strike, and to see him put it off was brilliant. And it's nice to have our captain back playing the way that we all know he can. And if he can carry on, especially if he has the likes of Martial providing such a great outlet for him on the left flanks, to providing him with the opportunities, then there is no reason that Wayne really can't go on and have a great second half of the season, and even and break Bobby Charlton's goal scoring record. Yeah, six goals off that record now. Twenty fifteen, while. The performances were utterly abysmal at times, especially in that Friday night Premier League game against Aston Villa in August. That was probably the worst I've ever seen Rooney play. But he he broke that record for England. And then 2016, he's actually performing well. The 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 vital player in this United side at the moment. And now he's just six goals off Charlton's record, which would make the, the double bill of England and United all-time top scorer, which no matter what anyone says, no matter if, if you're... One of those United fans who doesn't like Rooney, one of those United fans who still can't forgive him for those two supposed transfer requests. There is no denying that that is one of the the greatest achievements you can possibly have in football. And everyone will, no no one doubts Bobby Charlton's legendary status. And I don't think Rooney is a legend due to the the off-field problems, including transfer requests. But I I don't think there's any doubt in, in that he's a great for Manchester United if you if you want to use a different word to legend. He's six goals off. Martial uh, playing really well. Jesse Lingard and Juan Mata, what do you think of those two? Jesse Lingard was a mixed bag against Derby, really. He's been the subject of a lot of criticism in the last few games because, you know, he he may not be... Well, he is the the most technically gifted player that we've ever seen in a United shirt. I think his willingness to to, to run off the ball is a big help. I think he was slightly better against Derby than he has been in the last few games. I don't see him, as we sort of discussed a, a little while ago, I don't see him becoming sort of a long-term fixture in the United lineup. But for now, he's doing a pretty good job. I thought Juan Mata, he was good in parts. I still think he needs to move the ball a little bit quicker. There was quite a few times where he had a pass on and he seemed to want to take too many touches before either releasing the pass or, or wanting to find something different. And I just think he needs to get he needs to get back to the way he was he was at Chelsea and even when he first came to, to Man United and really sort of dictate that play. I, I although I did like the fact that he was playing in the middle again because that is for me by far his best position. And I think a front four of, of Martial, Mata, Memphis and Rooney, I still believe is our is our best front four, especially if we can get Memphis firing. We'll we'll discuss Memphis later. We got a question from someone on Twitter about him. Derby County, what do you think of them? They looked a good side. I think they were. I mean, I I, I reckon it would have been a very different game, a different, very different game plan from Derby. If, say that's next season in and in the Premier League. 
I think they were a lot more willing to go forward than they would have been because it was an, a cup game and they, they had nothing to lose, really. They do have some good players. I thought their midfield did, did pretty well for, for large parts of the game. I'd be surprised to see them at least not get very close to promotion. They've sort of had a couple of heartbreaking seasons the last couple of years. You know, Paul Clement making a step up to manager uh, after being an assistant for so long. I think he's done a good job. And I'd be, I'd be happy to see them in the Premier League next season. It wouldn't surprise me if that, if that does happen. Yeah, I read a fantastic interview with Paul Clement in the in the Times, I think, uh, before the game. And obviously, he's been around with Ancelotti, Chelsea, Madrid, uh, PSG. I think I think he he's struggling with the, the the step up, but obviously, he's a he's a calm character, having worked alongside Ancelotti, clearly very experienced. And I, I hope he does well, and I hope Derby do well. In terms of Memphis. Andreas Pereira, Adnan Yanazai, FA Cup tie against lower league opposition. You would have you would have assumed at least one of them, if not two of them, would have got a chance on Friday night. None of them did. Is is that an issue? I was disappointed to not see them at all. Whether they should have been start starting, I'm not sure. In some ways, I was pleased to see that Van Hal went with a full strength team because. I think too often in the past, and in, and this season actually, where other teams are beginning not to take the FA Cup very seriously. You know, you just have to look at the sides that Jurgen Klopp is putting out for Liverpool, and it's almost like an under-18 side playing. I, I was hoping that they would feature at some point, especially when we went 2-1 and then 3-1 up. I was hoping that maybe we'd see one or two of them. Especially Pereira, I feel quite sorry for him because he clearly does have talent. Some of his performances... Well, the under-21s have been nothing short of spectacular this season. And I do think, and you know, I think we've seen him, what is it, three or four times? And most of those have just been sort of very short rolls off the bench. So I was hoping that he would get some time. But, you know, at least we're taking the competition seriously. And at least we got through to the next round. It's, it's the main thing for me. Yeah, Pereira is an odd case. I think it could be another where we, we let a, a, a bright young talent escape our clutches. He's, he's stayed at the club despite links with with an exit last season um but but now at that point I, I assume that he would have been told he would have been given first team football but it's not coming for him he's playing in the under 21s then warming the bench every game like literally every game in the last few months An interview recently didn't he where he sort of hinted that he may he may have to look for a move away because he wants to get into the Brazilian Olympic squad, and if he's not getting playing time, then there's no way that he's he's going to be considered. Obviously, that's an under twenty three side, so he, he's eligible with a few overage players, and that's a home Olympics, and that's something you, you really don't want to miss. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Unless you're one of the best players in your country, you're not going to get in when due to the under twenty three age limit. Yanazai also odd given his impressive performances at under twenty one level, and Memphis is obviously struggling and former. Netherlands fitness coach says that United have overworked him in fact in in the early parts of the season when he was playing every week and that that's the reason for for the so-called failure his arrival at United for some news from uh, the last week last week we mentioned that United are now the third richest club in the world despite on-field issues Another good moment off the pitch has come with Sporting Intelligence's study into into various things off the pitch. United have both the highest social media following and highest attendances in the Premier League. Meanwhile, we have the second highest average wage in the league, uh, behind City, of course, the sixth highest in all sports. That's in the eighty thousand mark, which is which is a lot of money for an average wage in the Premier League. It's, it generally is much lower than that. In terms of transfers, Memphis Depay has bid farewell officially to the. 
PSV Eindhoven fans. Uh, seems like he's done this quite a few times now. I've gone back to PSV. Uh, hopefully he can move on from his exit now or we could have a failure on our hands. <laughs> um, Gareth Bale is reportedly wary of joining United due to the uncertainty of managerial situation and the boring style of play according to the Times. Uh, could this be something that seriously impacts our hopes of, again, rebuilding the squad this summer? The style of play, possibly, yeah, because especially for attacking players, why would someone like Gareth Bale want to come in and play in a side that is void of attacking intent and lacking in creativity. I mean, I, I read this article too and I thought the managerial changes point was quite ironic given that he's at Real Madrid, probably <laughs> the bastion of uh, of sudden managerial changes. You know, Gareth Bale didn't seem too happy when Rafa Benitez was, um, was sacked a few weeks ago. So I thought that was quite ironic. But at the same time, you know, you can understand, you can understand his, um, his hesitancy in, at the proposed move. I mean, I'm not sure that one would happen anyway. It seems like Perez has has a, a huge love for Gareth Bale. Guillermo Varela uh, was said to be close to joining Genoa in Serie A, but Van Gaal somewhat sensibly uh, blocked the move, given we have no no fullbacks barb Varela at the moment. Uh, and he's performing excellently. So hopefully that doesn't change in the coming days. Hopefully he does stay at the club. Uh, it would seem odd, given the game time he's been given recently. Michael Carrick, according to The Sun, is looking at potential clubs in the MLS. Um, this is quite sad, if true. Great servant for the club. This is his 10th season, I think. He's got five months left on his contract. Should we offer him a new one? I think so, yeah. Just made his 400th appearance against Swansea at the start of January. I think Michael Carrick, he can actually be, I think, quite an important player for us now because he is actually a midfielder that he gets on the ball and his first thought is, I want to pass forward. And... It's such a simple thing, but it's something that we are def- we are la- lacking at the moment. And you know, the third goal against Derby, in fact, came from Michael Carrick picking the ball up, and he played a, pa- a pass between the lines. I think it was out to Martial, and then it started his his run down the left bank, which led to Matty's goal. And he, like I said, he's been a great servant for our club. And I think even if he's not going to play that much, you know, his injuries are starting to ca- um, catch up with him a little bit. Even if he doesn't play that much, the experience that he can give to our squad is invaluable as well. He's been through a lot with the club and he understands how to get through the toughest situations. Yeah, he and Rooney are the only only two players left from that 2008 Champions League winning side. And people often claim that Carrick passes backwards or sideways all the time. It's just not true. Ashley Fletcher, our young striker, um, has extended his loan at Barnsley after impressing for them. While in coaching terms, uh, Ryan Giggs has turned down two managerial Premier League jobs this season, according to the Times. I assume that's in hope of taking over from Van Gaal in the in the summer or next season, if he's still here by then. There wouldn't be much news without Lou Van Gaal these days. And before the Derby game, he apologised to the fans. Uh, fair enough, I thought. Yet the lack of confidence, which isn't very common with Van Gaal at the moment, seemed quite David Moyes-esque. He said, um, I'm very disappointed that I cannot reach the expectations of the fans. They have or they had great expectations of me and I cannot fulfil them. So I'm very frustrated because of that. That seems quite odd, doesn't it? It does. And especially, as you said, from someone like Louis van Gaal, who has consistently been so defiant while he's been here and has a reputation of being someone who will stick out for as long as he's needed in his previous jobs. So, yeah, I I was quite shocked to hear him say that. And I, I mean... It's always a little bit tricky because of his grasp of English, but the fact that he said, I cannot fulfil the expectations. I I hope that was him saying that at the moment he hasn't been able to, rather than him saying, 
that he can never fulfil them, which is kind of how it sounded. But I'm hoping it was to do with his sort of grasp of English, that that's not quite what he meant. Because if it is what he meant, then that's really quite a worrying statement from our manager. Wayne Rooney has backed him. Van Gaal gave him the captaincy and they seem to have a really good relationship. Um, he says that the players have to take responsibility as well as Van Gaal because obviously they're the ones on the pitch and... It's a, it's a squad issue as well as a managerial issue. Sad news, the man who Vinic is retired. One of the vital figures in my life as I grew up. 300 appearances for United in nine seasons, uh, including more goals than Michael Owen, Veron and Forlan. Um, how can you sum up such an incredible defender? It's tough, really. I think him and Ferdinand's partnership will always be something that I'll remember for a long time. As, as you say, as I, as I grew up as well watching Man- Manchester United, it really... It came to be the backbone of our success, then you know, Nemtu and Van Bissar in the centre of our defence. It was it was brilliant to watch and you always felt like it was gonna take something special to score against us. And there's the there's the great clip of him uh, I don't actually I can't remember what team it's against now, but there's the great clip of him uh, making two slide tackles in ten seconds where he makes one, he gets up, sprints to the touchline and, and clatters someone else, and that really sums up Nemanja Vidic. He was a true true hard man, an old school defender, I think, you know. Him and Ferdinand were a joy to watch together and it's sad news to see him retire. Yeah, I remember my first away game, Fulham away, uh, under David Moyes and Adman Yanezai got stamped on by Sasharifa and runs over is uh, Nemanja Vidic, absolutely infuriated and Sasharifa just walks off, absolutely petrified. Yeah. True hard man, as you say, great defender, uh, aerial presence, as well as uh, obviously the timing of his challenges was superb. And although he wasn't renowned for, for his ball playing abilities, Rio Ferdinand did post on Facebook uh, when he heard the news that Vidic was often <laughs> quite annoyed at that because actually, although it didn't come out that much, he was a, a decent passer of the ball. Up front, in terms of the current squad, Anthony Martial has been praised following his impressive performance against Derby County. Not just by us, I'm not sure he really cares about that. But Michael Carrick, Daly Blind and Juan Mata were heaping good words on him. His play on the left flank was stunning, and even though he hasn't scored recently, he's been brilliant. In in contrast, Maran Fellaini, uh, (laughs) somewhat audaciously, uh, suggested that Martial has to improve. It's true, it's not quite the finished article yet, but it was quite incredible coming from Fellaini. The big news I wanted to speak about was the fact that the Glazers, according to the Sunday Express, who are not usually reliable, but this doesn't seem like a story you just make up to fill a back page. Glazers are ordering cuts of 15% to the academy and scouting departments and all departments across the club except the first team. Uh, This comes just a week after Dan Jones, who compiled the Deloitte uh, list which put United at third richest club in the world. He predicted that United will be the richest club in the world next year. This is genuinely disgusting, isn't it, Jack? Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's bad enough anyway, the fact that they they want to take so much money away from an already faltering scouting and academy system. And it just makes it all the worse that that it comes off the back of us. What was it? Our our value being around £3 billion. And the Glazers themselves taking around fifteen million pounds out of the club every year in their own back pockets. It it really just it makes you fume really at the at what they're doing to our club. And I think you know there's a there's a lot of bad bad mood among the fans in relation to the Glazers. And this is just not going to help at all. They they really just seem to run Manchester United as a business. And you do need your chairman to do that to some extent. If you look at Sheikh Mansour at City. He does run it as a business in some senses, but what you want from a chairman or owner 
you want them to run it as a business, but also care about Manchester United as a football club. They, they just seem to think that if they just keep throwing money at the first team, that will solve all of the issues. And we have seen firsthand in the last few years that that is simply not the case. And if they keep on running the club how they are, taking money out of all important areas other than their own and the first team, then the club the club will just continue its decline. Yeah, this is... This is kind of secure in the long term decline of our, of the traditions that Manchester United hold. And this might not secure the long term decline of the, the footballing side of United, but it, it could certainly for the next ten years could see the Academy United completely go. Um we discuss this on episode three at, at sixteen minute forty five, around that mark if you want to listen to that. We had an interesting chat with uh, our guest Tracy Germain. Um, about the current academy situation at United, and it, it, it's quite appalling the state it's in at the moment. Currently, we spend three point five million on the academy each year. Meanwhile, Sheikh Mansour and Manchester City are spending twelve million. We're now planning another fifteen percent cuts on an already uh, appalling level of, of funding for the area on which we we pride ourselves in. Busby Babes, the nineteen ninety nine Champions League winning sides, both both of them were were founded on on the on the belief in young players and but uh, both our first two european cup winning sides were both full of were both the the basis of them were were on young players who had come through the academy like Ryan Giggs uh, Bobby Charlton George Best David yeah. Beckham Paul Scholes I mean and even in the in between bits between the, the the successful periods of Matt Busby and Alex Ferguson going back to the 1930s before Busby arrived we still focused on on youth at the Manchester United Junior Athletic Club, that was vital during the war, and where where young players stepped into to those who had gone off to fight shoes, and and yeah. even now when we're playing Cameron Borthwick Jackson, genuinely he's become vital in our team because we don't have any fullbacks, and he's come through the academy. I mean, yeah. even if the Glazers are focusing on football, surely they can realise that the current team would would not survive. Quite, quite literally, given given the small quad size, the current team would not survive without the players who are we we are breeding through, like Borthwick, Jackson, Varela, Pereira, Yanazai. Yeah, and it, it's, it's such a shame to see owners that just don't seem to have any any regard for our academy, which, as you said, is such a vital part of of our club. And how, how many? What is it now? Like something like three thousand seven hundred games where we had a uh, an academy player in the squad in every single game in a row. And that's it's a, something to be proud of because there aren't many teams around that can can say that they've even done that for a season and stayed at the, the kind of top level that Manchester United had. And it's a real shame to see that that record, well, is definitely under threat and maybe maybe going in the near future. Yeah, and it's just something that it's hard to believe that while they may be focusing on it as a business, it's hard to believe that they can't realise that one of the unique selling points of United uh, across the globe is the fundamental beliefs on youth, on attacking football. If you lose those, then quite a ma- I won't say a majority because ultimately the fans in Asia and America will will fund the Glazers' pockets for, for a good while until they send, sell the club. But ultimately, some fans won't be attracted by Manchester United if A, they're not winning. Uh, they might be glory hunters, but A, if they're not winning, people won't, won't want to come to Old Trafford. Yeah. And B, if, if they don't have these traditions that clubs like United, clubs like Liverpool, clubs like Arsenal have always have always founded and prided themselves on, pe- people won't want to support a club like Chelsea or Manchester City who 
despite all their funding and winning of trophies, still struggle to take the fan base away from Manchester United. Pe- people will just see United as another club like City or Chelsea. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And it's something that, as you said, we've always prided ourselves on that fact. And I think it is a big reason why we are as successful as we are. And the, the Glazers need to realise as well that as much as they want on-field success, on-field success is built from off-field stability and and the right investment in the right places. And I think for them to, to sort of be disregarding so many vital parts of, of the club that maybe aren't so obvious to the public, it will only do bad things for, for our on-field fortunes as well. And it's something that I'm I'm really worried about the Glazers' influence because I don't think they have much much of a care for the club generally. They more just have a care for their bank accounts and what the club can do for that. And maybe Ed Woodward hasn't helped in that regard because he seems very astute at making the club money and making the club even richer, but maybe doesn't have the footballing now that David Gill had before him. But the Glazers really, really need to have a long think about how they want to run this football club. It's, it's definitely something that needs looking at and I doubt it will do because over the past 10 years Ferguson covered up the cracks that, that the Glazers have put into this club with £700 million of debt when they arrived constantly taking money out of the club constantly closing down and and uh, decreasing the level and, and the status of the academy of the scouting uh, team at United who Ferguson and Moyes both struggled and and built up to be to be the best in the world and it's it's now getting worse and worse on a more positive note <laughs> hopefully we play Stoke City on Tuesday night midweek Premier League fixture after the FA Cup weekend just overall prediction what's the score going to be tough one um i'm going to i'm going to be optimistic and go for 2-1 united we've got a question from at herrera techers who says that uh, how, how can we deal with Shakiri and Arnautovic against Stoke. Obviously, we miserably failed to do so on Boxing Day. Uh, it's going to be tough. I think Morgan Schneiderlin is going to have a big part to play in that because Stoke are a brilliant team on the counter-attack. They have a lot of pace going forward now this this season. And Schneiderlin will be very important if we do push fullbacks forward and then do get caught on the break. Schneiderlin will be really, really vital in making sure that they don't have too much space to, to 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 themselves basically, um, we we got caught out quite a few times with that on Boxing Day. You know, we often had a lot of the ball. You know, typical of Manchester United this season, didn't do loads with it. And then when we lost it again, it was sort of those two along with with Bojan sort of ran wild really and had a field day. So that's I think Morgan Schneiderlin will be really really important. Maybe the fullbacks not pushing on quite as much, but I think at home I think we have we have to try and and play our game in a similar way to what we did at Derby rather than worry about what Stoke can do. It, it would be nice to see the away performances re- replicated at Old Trafford because obviously um, w- when we were depressed in the last episode, we were discussing how it's now 11 consecutive first halves at home where we have failed to score a goal. Yeah. And ho- hopefully we can bring that attacking nature, which we saw against Derby. On to a few more questions. Deck at Well Deck says, do you think Memphis will be better under a different manager or is he destined for failure anyway? Well, I, I just the last part. First, I definitely don't think he is destined for failure at United. I think his talent is definitely there for all to see. You, you only have to look at 
a few of the, the, the good moments he has produced in a United shirt to see that. In terms of a new manager, I think it may help to some degree because maybe having a more attacking, more open style would just help him help help him settle down a little bit more. It seems like a lot of the time he he's caught between playing to what the manager demands and playing his natural game. And I think especially for a player of Memphis's age, trying to make his way in in the Premier League, I think playing his natural game is is what he should be aiming for. So a new manager may may help to some degree. I just think he needs someone to almost put their arm around his shoulder and tell him, you know, just to to not try and force it, do whatever he thinks is right, and not not be scared of making mistakes. And that um, it all comes from from getting a, a bit more game time. And it's a tough one because you know it's hard to to give him loads and loads of game time when he hasn't played brilliantly when he has been given game time. But if we don't give him that game time, he's never going to improve. So. I think that that is a more well-rounded solution than simply a new manager. Yeah, I, th- I think in part Van Hol hasn't hasn't handled the Memphis situation incredibly well. Obviously, he somewhat overloaded him when he first came, playing him in every single fixture on the left flank. Uh, sometimes up front against Norwich, I think he scored then when he played played up front, and everyone thought he would push on from that. And then as soon as he dropped in form, he was dropped from the team and that that seems odd given it was clearly a a team-based problem not a not a singular player and I I think we do need to give him game time because uh, as we mentioned in a in a previous episode I think it was two episodes ago we discussed Memphis and we said that he has to be given game time otherwise in three years we're going to have someone who was tipped as the next Cristiano Ronaldo came to United for around 25 million and is now a failure and I think that that is something we really have to avoid because He's obviously got huge talent. Um, another question, another young player, uh, John Stones of Everton. There are reports on Sunday that Everton officials uh, believe that Manchester City will, will be leading the race for John Stones this summer. There hasn't really been a mention of of him joining United since last summer when it appeared he was going to join Chelsea for 30 million. Jack at JG underscore 1878 says, uh, uh, would you take him at United? I certainly would. Depends on the price. I think the criticism he's come under recently for sort of messing about on the edge of the area is quite ridiculous because it's coming from the same people who suggest that we have to be playing the ball out of the back and replicating Spain. And I, I don't see how you can complain that a young English defender is playing the ball out from the back and then, and then you can write these quite harsh articles about John Stones which aren't ultimately aren't really going to help with his confidence in a tricky spell that he's having this season would you take him at United and for what price yeah I definitely would take him at United I totally agree that he's been harshly treated there was I think it was the Mail. I read an article in or about a week and a half ago. Something like nine goals that John Stones has been at fault for in Everton's play this season. And I just thought it was it was ridiculous to see so many newspapers and pundits and so-called experts giving him so many actors at the end of last season. As soon as there was interest in Chelsea, and now they, all, as you say, they just want to have a go at him all the time when he's trying to to do what. You know, Roberto Martinez is a manager who likes to play out from the back. So he's only doing what his manager has asked for. There is no doubt that he is a big talent. As you said, it would depend on the price. I mean, really, I wouldn't want to pay much more than £30 million for him. Uh, you know, there is this premium on young English talent. And there is no doubt that John Stones is a young English talent. But any more than that, and then you really start to question who we could be buying instead. 
for a similar sort of price. Obviously, the the English side of John Stones does help a lot in when Everton and Bill Kenwright are trying to up that price. Uh, I think also it'll help the fact that United, City and Chelsea and probably Arsenal will be supposedly fighting it out for him in the summer. Last question from at Tiki Tactic, who I would recommend following if you don't already. What's happened to Herrera? He says he's been very poor. I asked if it, if he meant in the last few weeks, but he said from November. Uh, his season overall has, has has he really earned the plaudits which he, he seems to get from United fans? No, in a word, um, his season has not has not lived up to what we were all hoping at all. There have been good moments. I, the Newcastle away game in the three three draw stands out as a moment or a, a game, sorry, where he did actually really impress and he he did show what he could do. I think. He hasn't he hasn't been great this season. There's been a lot of games where he's been very sloppy on the ball. He hasn't created the kind of incisiveness that we saw him create when he played last season. I do think he needs to be played deeper. I, I've I mean I seem to mention this every single episode of this. I still think that he needs to be played deeper alongside a holding midfielder at the base of the midfield rather than the number ten position which Van Hal seems intent on deploying him in. Because when he plays there, he he can't make things happen as much because by the time the ball is already played through to him, the, the attack is already pretty well formed. And by that point, the space has been shut down. Teams know how to play against us now. They just shut the space down. And so he's not got as much space to operate in. When he starts from deeper and he can collect the ball on the half turn and he can really make those forward runs, that made him such a big player for us in the second half of last season. So no, he doesn't deserve the plaudits that a lot of fans give. And his season has been poor. But I think the position that he's been played in hasn't helped. Yeah, I think he's often been poor. And it's often overlooked because most of his worst games since November came in that, that 10 game spell of a lack of wins. Um, if you want to be nice, worst performances came then. It seems quite a lot of the time, which may be the reason why Van Hal appears to favour other midfielders, uh, to Herrera is that he's quite sloppy occasionally, I thought. And sometimes he's quite rash. We talk about passion. It's great. It's great to see he's determined to win the ball back quickly. And I think some of his challenges are brilliant, but often he's quite poor in the tackle. That's all for this week. Apart from uh, a little update on the youth, we discussed this in episode three. We we talked about the poor state of the academy, as I mentioned earlier, at about 16 minutes 45 on series one, episode three. The under-18s last Wednesday lost 2-0 to Manchester City in the derby. One City fan tweeted, this is the worst United youth side I've ever seen. And then on Saturday afternoon, Shola Ayula scored for Stoke to make it 12 losses in a row for Manchester United under-18s. Under-21s beat Sunderland 1-0 last last Monday. James Weir scored a great goal. Uh, it was a really good performance, actually. Uh, should have been five or six goals, to be honest. Varela played in that game before playing on Friday for the first team, and as he was on Friday against Derby County, he was superb in the under-21s. Yanazai impressed as well in the first half. Another Manchester Derby at under-18 level, uh, Saturday, February the 6th at home. If you want to watch that, I'm sure it'll be on MUTV. That's all for today. Thank you very much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64. Where can you find Jack? At United Tate, U-T-D-T-A-I-T. And you can find the podcast on Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod P-O-D. On Audio Boom, that's our username as well, UTD Weekly P-O-D. Acast can find us Manchester United Weekly. 
acast.com slash Manchester United Weekly. On iTunes, just search for Manchester United Weekly Podcast. The support shown from our followers on Twitter, but mainly you listening to this, has been both surprising and brilliant. Both myself and Jack cannot thank you enough for staying with us uh, since we started out. We've now surpassed 2,000 plays in our first five episodes, and we're in the process of building a website, and we might join YouTube soon, so hopefully this is just the beginning. Thank you to our new, all our new followers on Twitter and all our listeners who keep coming back. Thank you to our guest last week. And thanks to Brian Howell, we said, of last week's episode. Excellent item on youth, very worrying. Um, please keep tuning in every week, sharing to your mates, and keep enjoying this, even if you don't with United performances sometimes. Thank you, and goodbye. Michelle, oh, just absolutely leaving Christie for dead, and Juan Mata wins the tie. But Anthony Martial with a brilliant piece of skill, which left Derby County's Cyrus Christie the floor, utterly deflated and defeated, sets up one matter and Manchester United are home and dry now. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.